Thanks to your generous giving to our general fund, uh, your weekly offerings, uh, not only are we getting to send them off with our prayer and blessings and love, but uh, because of your generous giving, our church family gets to be a small part of their first year of uh, fundraising for uh, this missionary endeavor as they go to serve in North Dakota. So thank you for your uh, generous giving that goes to important things like uh, them going to serve Jesus. Pretty cool, right? Cool. Well, good morning. My name is Derek. Grab your Bible and open to Galatians chapter 6, if you would, and we'll be there in just a moment. Um, got a few things I want to say before we jump into God's Word, but uh, you can grab your Bible and open to Galatians chapter 6. I love that we uh, just got to pray for James and Meredith because I think they are such an example of, of having heard from God about where they were to invest their lives and then obeying and going. Uh, where is God calling you and I to invest our lives? What, what do we invest our time and energy and resources into? What, what, are our, what do we pour out our lives toward? What are our lives all about? And I think God's word is gonna give us an opportunity to consider that this morning. Of all the things that we could invest in, what are the right things? Of all the things that you spend your time on and that I spend my time on, are, are, are some of those worthwhile things or worthless things? Where does our time and our energy and our money, uh, where does that get poured into? Into meaningful things or meaningless things? Where, when, where do you go when you daydream? What, what do you spend time on? Uh, what do you like to tell people about, discuss, or perhaps end up arguing about? Is it is it the best things or, or just mediocre things? Of all the places that we could go, the people that we could meet, the messages we could spread, the desires that we could follow, of all the things that you or I could boast about, which ones are they? What, what, where are our lives directed? Of all the things we could do, of all the things we could boast about, are we... Are we investing in fleeting things or lasting things? I've had, a, I've had a tough week. My family and I have had a tough week. Our extended family has had a tough week, and I'll, and I'll follow up on that in a moment. I can't remember having a week like this where, uh, where I had such an opportunity to reckon with the things that matter. I can't remember a week like this that helped me, uh, that did as much to help me prioritize what really matters and who really matters. Uh, I can't, rem uh, is it, it was a tough week that I think um, helped me to evaluate what am I giving my life to and what does that matter in the long run? Uh, First of all, many of you know, because you, you care and love us and pray for us, that our, our family dynamics can be difficult, and uh, parenting is hard. Can I get an amen? amen. Parenting is hard, and uh, we all, our family needs Jesus. I need Jesus. Um, we need your prayers, and I believe that, uh, uh, th that my first responsibility as a father is to my family, as a pastor, I get to shepherd and care and nurture uh, many. But when my family needs me, I, I drop everything and I'm there for them. And when they struggle, I wanna fight for them. And when they hurt, I hurt. 
we are traveling a difficult road. Um, we appreciate your prayers. We need them. Uh, but God is with us in it. And also this week, um, if you were here last Sunday, you've probably heard, uh, also this week, we've been really tracking the aftermath of the wildfire that destroyed Paradise, California, um, because uh, that's where my parents' home once stood. Um, I am thankful that my parents got out alive and they are safe, um, and that is not the case for many, many. Um, and so we are hurting uh, with them as they come to grips um, with the situation. Um, wh what had only been, you know, what we could put together from reports and pictures and different things uh, was confirmed. They discovered on a sheriff's damage assessment website yesterday a picture of their property uh, with their home reduced to ashes. A sobering reality, uh, sobering confirmation. And um, so they're coming to grips with the fact that they've lost their home and everything in it. And so we hurt with them and, and I don't even pretend to know what they're feeling. Uh, some of you know that I was, I was not here in person with you last Sunday. Um, I, I came to you on video instead. Some of you are wishing I would come to you on video again because when I came to you on video last week, it was only 16 and a half minutes long. <laughs> Sorry, I got more than 16 minutes in mind. So you're wishing I came to you on video, but that's what we did last week, and that enabled uh, Trevor and I, my son Trevor and I, to drive our travel trailer down and, and give it to my folks, and it's their temporary home base while they figure out what's next. They need to stay in that region long enough to handle things and to know where to go from here. Um, the fire that, that got named the Camp Fire is uh, only 55% contained, and it's already the most destructive fire in the state of California history uh, by structures lost, uh, including my folks' home and uh, 9,000 others, I believe, um, other homes. This fire is only 55% contained as of this morning, um, but it's already the most deadly fire in California history as well, with a confirmed 79 fatalities and a thousand people still unaccounted for. My folks, we're among the earliest to evacuate, and I, believe, and I know that saved their lives. They packed up and got off the, off the ridge uh, before thousands and thousands of people were trying to do so at the same time, and uh, it became very difficult and very slow, and, and I think is a big reason for so many lost lives. Um, my brother and I hope to go down again. Um, I, I, when they, whenever the authorities open the ridge and allow residents back in, my brother and I would like to be there when my parents have to go see it in person. Um, so thank you for asking I, I, about my parents. And I give this update this morning for a couple of reasons because so many of you uh, asked me this morning in this last few days, how are your parents, how are you? And so... I give the update for that reason, and, I, and, and we are truly thankful for your love and support and prayer for my folks and uh, the generous outpouring of, of, of love that we've seen for them and, and that uh, I pray will show them God's care for them. Uh, but it's also a good, uh, as God often does, weaving our life with what we're learning from his word. Uh, it's also an appropriate way to start this morning, I think, giving that update, because I'm asking you that question I posed earlier of, 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 of our, as we evaluate our life, 
what really matters? Where do we invest our time and our energy and our resources and, and what do we, what do we put, give ourselves to? And, and, and what, what out of that matters? Because it may be a trite saying, but our time on earth is short. And so the, what we spend our time doing matters. And, and in case you don't know, there is life beyond this earthly life, amen? And so let's spend this earthly life, which seems all-consuming, which takes so much of our time and attention, which seems so painful and overwhelming at times, but is so fleeting and so short in God's grand scheme. Let's, let's spend our earthly life discovering what he wants for us, what he's called us to, what's worth giving our life to. Are we focused on things that matter or are we distracted by and wasting time on things that don't really matter? Gee, Derek, thanks for the lighthearted start to the morning. <laughs> Everything's okay, I'm okay. But this is where we're at a little bit this morning, right? So thanks for bearing with me. Um, you know I'm, I'm lighthearted most, a lot of the time and you know that I love all of you and that's why I teach God's word. Um, and so that's where we're at. Uh, grab your Bible and open to Galatians chapter 6. We're going to start at verse 6. And we are concluding a series of messages uh, this morning. We've, this is the 10th out of 10 as we've studied through a book in our Bible called Galatians. And uh, we want to ask God to use this, uh, his word this morning to show us where we are to invest our lives. Because while I may have started with difficult things this morning, and while your mind is also consumed perhaps with difficult things that you are enduring and suffering through in your, in your lives, while that's where we may have started this morning, as we've called our message series, the gospel changes everything. We may have started with difficult things, but there is hope because of Christ. There is hope because the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the, the good news that God rescues sinners changes everything. And so we have that hope to look forward to this morning. Galatians 6, starting at verse 6. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap from the flesh corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. All right, here, we, here I find myself in Dallas, Oregon, uh, much, closely, much more closely and frequently surrounded by farming than, uh, than many periods of my life previous, right? But hopefully we understand these terms uh, here in this, this passage of sowing and reaping. And we, we look to farming and agriculture for this picture of, of what we plant and then what comes up out of the ground. Are we familiar with this idea? <laughs> if you want a bumper crop of corn, if you're hoping for a huge, awesome, blessing crop of corn, what kind of seeds do you think you should plant? Let's go with corn seeds. Let's go with good corn seeds. Let's go with plenty of it, 
right? If you want corn, we need to plant corn. Simple sowing and reaping? Simple sowing and reaping idea? Okay. Well, what is true in farming is also true in the spiritual realm and in regard to our morality. What does the passage say? Verse 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. For basically for a person reaps what he sows. Whatever one sows or plants or invests in or gives himself to, that he will reap. So what's true in farming is true in the spiritual realm as well. And and it says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. What's that all about? I think we sometimes, if we're not careful, deceive ourselves and think that we can somehow fool God and circumvent this process. That, That what we invest in is not what we will get. That we somehow think we can get around that. That perhaps we can do whatever and still get the desired result. But God will not be mocked. The the Bible says that a person reaps what he sows. And we need to evaluate our lives and see if this principle holds true. Do we live like hell, but still expect heavenly blessing? Do we sow our wild oats, so to speak, but expect to reap God's blessing? Do we plant, invest, nonchalantly, thoughtlessly, do our lives get devoted to things uh, and we're oblivious to the results, to the harvest that will come? Or as I said a minute ago, do we somehow try to circumvent the process and think that we can plant one kind of seed, that we can do some kinds of things, that we can emphasize things, that we can invest over here, and that somehow we're gonna get this different and better result? A person reaps what he sows. And so this morning, we're gonna see the sowing and reaping principle in three areas. And I'm adapting these from, uh, from a pastor author named John Stott, who's, who I studied here in recent weeks about this passage. And we're gonna see in this passage how sowing and reaping plays out in three different areas. And the first is in uh, Christian ministry or in, or in a church family. Verse six. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. So our first sowing and reaping principle is this, that pastor teachers sow God's word, plant God's word, proclaim God's word, and as a result, reap their financial support. Uh, In addition to this verse in the Bible, the Bible has lots to say about, uh, and the Bible, I think, teaches very clearly in many places that the worker is worth his pay, that it's God's intention that those who teach or preach the good news of Jesus earn their living by the gospel. Now, none of us should be dependent spiritual. Our spiritual lives should not be dependent on being here on Sunday morning for an hour and hearing from me. Your spiritual life is not dependent on this gathering or on me proclaiming the word of God. You, you, if you are a follower of Jesus, have the spirit of God living within you and you have his word to study and learn from and hear from him, your spiritual growth is up to you. With God's help, you are responsible for your spiritual growth. However, coming and gathering as a family and being here on Sunday mornings and hearing the the Bible taught is... uh, part of what the Bible would call our training in godliness. And so it is important to come 
and, and have our, our, our pastors and our teachers help us grow. And so as, as the pastors and teachers invest, give, sow, plant the word of God, then the response of God's people is to share generously of the financial resources that God has given to them to support the church. Uh, sometimes uh, uh, pastors, us pastors hear things like, so you only work on one day a week, right? <laughs> or uh, what do you do the rest of the week? Like they're, I don't know what they're picturing me in my office twiddling my thumbs or what. You only work on Sunday morning, right? Really? I, don't, I, I won't try to defend too hard, but I'll tell you, our staff is awesome and work really hard. And, um, and my mentors, uh, pastors, and people that I've, that I've learned from uh, work really hard and handle a variety of things. And, uh, and so here's what God's word has to say. Notice the word in the passage is share. But the one who is taught, share all good things with the teacher. Um, it's important that we clarify here that, that when we give, when we come to, when we, when we um, exercise the spiritual discipline of giving, when we give of our financial resources to our church family, uh, this is uh, not paying a fee. You didn't come to a movie. You didn't pay a ticket to come to a movie. You didn't come and receive good church, so you put some money in the bucket. It's not a, a tip for me. Oh, I liked that sermon today. Here's a $5 bill. That's not what giving at, at the worship gathering is all about. And giving in church is also not a grim duty. Ah, oh, I gotta. Everybody else is. I think I'm supposed to. That's not what God has in mind either. Um, the word is sharing here. And in, in, in the language and in the context of this passage, it's this. Just as teachers share their spiritual gifts with you, share by teaching God's word what God has given to them, then the learner, the learner shares back what God has blessed them with as well. There's a sharing, there's a family, there's a caring, there's a responsibility to one another. So there's the first area of sowing and reaping, that pastor teachers sow God's word and reap their financial support. The second area has to do with our holiness, how we live, what our lives are like. Let's look at uh, verse eight, the first part of verse eight. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. So this is when we sow to the, please the sinful nature. The word flesh there is talking about our sinful nature, our natural proclivity. We are born into it and we, and, and we choose it to go against God, to sin, to rebel against him. When we sow, when we invest, when we plant seeds to our sinful nature, to letting our desires run rampant, to following whatever our desires are, when we sow to please the sinful nature, we reap corruption. And so this is true in an eternal sense, and it's true in the present tense. It's true in the eternal sense because if we, if a person is continually um, Involved in the acts of the flesh, we studied this in a previous passage, the desires of the flesh, these, these acts of, the, of, of sin, if those were, we called them a week or two ago, we called those indicators of spiritual danger. 
Those that are stuck in that, those that never repent of those acts of sin, those that continue to follow the desires of the flesh, those that never turn away from that and instead turn to God are doomed, are headed towards spiritual ruin. Sowing to please the sinful nature will reap corruption. That's in the eternal sense. And in the, it's, it's true in the present sense as well in terms of our personal holiness and our morality. I've shared with you my struggle before and in recent weeks and we studied the passage about acts of the, of the, of the flesh. When I sow, when I plant seeds, when I allow, when I spend time in fits of rage, which is, which is a difficulty I have, that I'm fighting with God's help, when I, when I sow to fits of rage, it harms relationships. It harms those around me, and it says I'm focused on myself. And it also in our previous passage, when you invest in envy and jealousy, it impacts the relationships, and it, it shows that you are discontent with what God has for you, and those are the things that you are reaping. The idea here of, of corruption is a disintegration of God's best. God has best in mind. God has what works in mind. God has things that are pleasing to him. And, and as we sow to the sinful nature, as we allow ourselves to invest time and give ourselves to following every desire, sin makes things fall apart. God's best disintegrates. Sowing to please the sinful nature reaps corruption. But sowing to please the spirit, to walk with the spirit, reaps life. Look at verse eight again. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. So we sow instead to the, please the spirit. We talked uh, in the last couple weeks about learning to walk by the spirit. And in the eternal sense, we reap Life, life now and life eternal. When we sow to the Spirit, when we entrust our lives to Jesus Christ, when we realize we can't do it on our own, when we surrender control and, and, and put our lives in the hands of Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit. When we sow to the Spirit, when we live for him, when we learn to walk in step with him, then God is transforming us from the inside out and making us new. We are rescued, we are saved, we are made right with God in the eternal sense, we are saved, and in the present tense, we are being transformed, we are being made new from the inside out. Those that keep in step with the Spirit are, are increasingly being transformed. We, instead of those acts of the flesh, we studied this passage recently about God producing out of us the fruit of the Spirit, the supernatural results of God making us more like Jesus as we follow Jesus. Sow to please the sinful nature, reap corruption. Sow to please the spirit, reap life. And then the third area is in regards to our service. So we talked about sowing and reaping in the church between teachers and learners. We saw the sowing and reaping principle. Then we talked about in our, in our, our, our lives, our holiness, what we sow to, we will reap. And now we talk about in our service to other people. Let's look again at verse nine. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. And so I put it this way on the screen. If we sow love, 
We reap changed lives and heavenly reward. We sow love. We give and invest in and give ourselves to and our life to love. Why? Because as God, as we follow Jesus, what does Jesus call us to? To love others, to love God and love others. We are to make disciples. We are to help, as followers of Jesus, we are to help other people meet and follow Jesus. And one of the best ways to do that is by obeying the great commandment, which is to love our God and to love others as ourselves. And so this is what we are to sow, is to sow love, to plant love, to invest in love, and to give our lives to loving others. And I sometimes call this outflow. You know, if we picture our lives as a, as a follower of Jesus, as receiving God's grace gifts, if we look to our loving Heavenly Father, and we know that He is love, and that his love abounds to us, is poured out to us through Christ and, and through his care for us. And we receive, if we as followers of Jesus picture our lives as, as receiving God's love and being filled by God's love such that we can't help but outflow, but overflow the love of God to those around us through our words and actions. And so that's what it is to sow love is to invest ourselves in, in caring for people and meeting practical needs with our deeds and our actions, but not just our actions, loving with our words as well, encouraging and building up and sharing the good news of Jesus with people. So word and deed, that's what doing good in this passage is, is looking out for the best interests of others, love. And then the passage says, do not be weary, don't, 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 don't grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap. And it's interesting, the passage doesn't tell us what the harvest will be, but we can see elsewhere in Scripture, and it's not hard to imagine, I don't think, either, what is that harvest? If we sow love, what will we reap? What will we see the result be? And it's not hard to imagine, I don't think, when you and I do good to others, who benefits? Them, right? As God's love fills us and overflows out of us as we sow love and sow outflow into their lives, who benefits? Them, lives changed by God through us. And, and one of the awesome opportunities we have, Pastor Ed talked about earlier this morning, as a church family in this current season, as Pastor Aaron is called to new ministry, we have an opportunity to sow love, to invest time in our teenagers, in our middle school and high school students. And, 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 um, and so we're going to be having a meeting at 7 o'clock tonight for anybody interested who God might want to use in student ministry. And let me just tell you this, we don't need youth pastors we don't need Bible experts. We don't need cheerleaders that want to lead games. You know what we need for our student ministry next week and next month and for 10 years? We need followers of Jesus who love Jesus and want to care for our teens. Can you know their name? And when they tell you about a test they have tomorrow, when you see them again next week, maybe ask them about it. If you're any age, if you're any skill set, if you're any ministry background, if you're a follower of Jesus, maybe God wants you to help love and serve our teens in the coming weeks and months. Invest, love, and reap changed lives. 
And the Bible also teaches that we will receive heavenly reward, which is a really interesting deal. We don't follow Jesus uh, to get something out of it. We don't, we don't obey to earn. We don't have to be a good person, go to church, do a checkbox stuff in order to, be, to please God or to be truly accepted by God. The Bible, uh, not, when we serve him and when we so love and when we give our lives to serving Jesus by serving others, we don't, we don't need to earn. We don't, we're not trying to match up. We don't earn our salvation. We're just living as Jesus desires. The natural result of, of God's love for us is to love him in return, but by living our lives for him. And the Bible teaches that as a result, we will receive heavenly reward, not treasure on earth, but treasure in heaven. So sow love and reap changed lives and heavenly reward. And verse 10 sums it up well. So then, as we have opportunity, faith, church, family, let us do good to everyone, near and far, your neighbors, your spheres of influence, Dallas, Oregon, the United States, and far. As we have opportunity, let's do good to everyone. And especially, verse 10 says, to those who are of the household of faith. Let's look at, skip down to verses 14 and 15, if you would. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus. Far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus. And then down to verse 15. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, that doesn't count, but a new creation. In other words, it's not about being Jewish, it's about following Jesus. It's not about being a Gentile, it's about those who follow Jesus find life. It's not about checkbox religion and doing certain stuff just because other people said you have to. It's not about trying to be a good person or showing up for church or I have to try hard or I have to earn. What matters, it says, is the cross. We have nothing to boast in. We have, no ability, we, have, we have nothing to boast in that we did to deserve it, that we did to earn it, that we did to please God so that he would save us, so that we could live for him. We have nothing to boast about except for the cross of the Lord Jesus because it's not about what we do. It's about what Jesus has already done. And that's why we say that the gospel changes everything. The good news of Jesus is that God rescues sinners, that messed up, rebellious, sinful, hurting people like you and me can be made right with a holy and perfect and loving God because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. The good news of Jesus is that God rescues sinners, that Jesus lived the life you and I cannot live, that he died the death we deserve, and that God raised him victoriously from the dead and his new life shows us that we too can have new life. The gospel changes everything. It's not about what we do. It's about what Jesus has already done. And so this morning, where is our faith? Where is our time invested? What are we giving ourselves to? Is our time invested in making ourselves look better, in trying to match up to God's standards? Is our, is our faith in ourself as if we can rescue ourselves? Or is our faith in Jesus Christ? 
And as we evaluate lives, and as, we, and as I started this morning with some difficult topics and some sad circumstances, and they, I have them and you have them, what matters? What lasts? In the fleeting time that God has given us on this earth, what do we put ourselves to? Where are we planting seeds? Where are we spending and investing in things that are a waste or things that matter? So we talked a minute ago about a few, a few minutes ago. We talked a while ago about the tough week that my family's having. But I'm all too aware that, that it's not just us. That as I look around the room, there are hardships and trials and suffering and health problems and family relationship dynamics and death and pain and things that you are dealing with too. And you know what Jesus said? One of many things. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. I wish, I wish I could tell you, follow Jesus and everything is gonna be A-okay. I wish, but I won't ever tell you that because it's not my experience and it's not what the Bible makes clear. That earthly life, even for followers of Jesus, includes pain and trial and suffering and hardship. Jesus says, friends, church family, in this world, you will have trouble. But I know that while it feels like I'm taking some punches this week, that my family's getting beat up this week, and while I look around the room and know that you are experiencing pain and difficulty as well, I also know that God is a good and loving Father who is at work for our good and for his glory. And I mean every word of it. And I pray that you will be able to say it and mean every word of it. That in the midst of whatever you're facing this week, that we have a loving God who is at work for our good and his glory. Because you know what else Jesus said right after he said that? He said, in this world you will have trouble. But then he said, take heart, take comfort. I have overcome the world. The world doesn't win. The pain isn't forever. I have overcome the world. Life is in me, Jesus says. Our earthly journey will include trial and difficulty and suffering and pain and loss and grief, but we have hope. We live as those who have hope. We have hope because Jesus is with us in the midst of it. God doesn't take us out as followers of Jesus. We don't get plucked out of the troublesome world. God has us in it for his purposes. And Jesus is with you. And his spirit is empowering you. We have hope because in Christ we can have new life now and eternal. So if we're going to boast about anything, Faith Church, let's boast in the cross of Christ. We have nothing to boast about on our own, nothing we merit, nothing we earned, nothing we did to deserve. We boast in the cross of Christ because of what Jesus has accomplished there for us. Father God, we thank you this morning for your great love for us. We, we look to you this morning. God, we thank you for demonstrating your great love to us through Christ and the cross.
God, your word says that you demonstrated your love in the fact that while we were yet sinners, while we were still stuck in sin, while we were still rebelling against you, Jesus died for us. We thank you. So God, would you teach us that instead of pridefully boasting about ourselves and what we're capable of and what we've accomplished and how much, we should ple- how much what we've done should please you. God, help us to move away from that. Help us to move away from trying to, to earn your love by following a bunch of rules. And instead, Lord, this morning, we throw ourselves at your feet and we say we boast in the cross of Jesus. We boast and we exalt and we thank you because of Jesus and his work on the cross that gives us freedom freedom in Christ, freedom from the law, freedom from sin, freedom to follow and serve you. God, we thank you for freedom to sow and reap, to invest our lives in things that matter. God, we thank you for the truth of your word. Would, we, would you teach us to sow to the spirit, to walk by the spirit, to stay in step with your spirit guiding us so that we could live for you. So God, as the worship team comes to lead us, would we lift up our voices in thanks to you as the ushers come to receive our gifts? Would we worship you through generous giving? And God, I pray that we would look to you, that these songs and that our prayers and that our gifts would be given with eyes lifted up to you in thankfulness for all you have done. We worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.